technically, I, what it is, I used to like write rhymes when I were a kid. Um, I always wrote like poems and rhymes and stuff like that. And then as I got a bit older, I started listening to some music called Baseline Music. It was like old Speed Garage, um, driven by Baseline. It was house music, but Speed Garage. And when I heard that, the drums on it, um, I, I kind of naturally kind of was able to like rap or MC over it, if you like. And I just used to do it with my friends in my bedroom. Um, anyway, I got quite a bit of a name for it around where I, my area, if you like. And um, I kind of got, not forced, but I got like edged on to go to a studio and lay some music down. So I went to a studio and put some songs down and I released a CD. Now, I only made like three copies of the CD. Give one to my friend, one to my mum. And I, and I kept one on a four and I gave one to my dad. Um, the CD, what I gave to my friend, he took it to school. And at that point, in it wasn't any iTunes, it was basically CDs. So that CD got burnt. Then he, he started burnt as in like copied and he started selling it at school. Made loads of money, everybody wanted it. And at that, at that time, there was a, a market stall in Leeds where you could find all the underground music. You couldn't get in HMV or, you know, the other usual places. So what happened was this one of the, the Leeds market got hold of the CD and I was only like 15. And Leeds Market um, store where you bought the CDs was like the place to go at that point. There weren't no record shops that sold underground music or DJ mixes or DJ sets from clubs, etc. or stuff like that. They got all of the CD. And for like two years, um, which was quite an achievement for me at that time, it was like the biggest selling CD constant, consistently. Out of all the other DJs, all the other underground sets, even from places like Amsterdam and stuff, it did really, it did really well. So a lot of people started knowing about Tom's Zanetti up in Leeds and um, other places. And I didn't even realise, I just thought, I, I made a scene and gave it to my mate, and then I found out people selling them, and the market was selling them, and blah, 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 and it was doing really well. Um, after yeah. this, I started getting a bit of static, uh, I then decided to throw my own party with a friend of mine uh, when I was 17. Uh, a friend of mine, another friend of mine owned a club, so I threw a party at a club on a Thursday night, and I wasn't even old enough to get in the club, I was only 17, but it, we sold it out. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's how it started. We st so I made the music. Through a party as a promoter, the the club night on the Thursday then became then became a weekly Thursday, and then from that um, I took over another club when I was 21. Uh, I bought a club. I then started. Uh, I went partnership. I, I created a company called Sleeping Is Cheating, and I went partnership with my friend Kane Kane Towney. His DJ name's Cocaine K O Kane, and um, we started throwing big big parties. It was a, a lot for me to handle like we'll get from big parties and get a lot of requests and I really have the management skills that Kane kind of um, that Kane had so uh, I brought Kane in I kind of brought the masses we we he, he helped me with from a managerial point of view and we just started throwing at one point we we're doing six seven events every every weekend in different parts up north down to Manchester and then as the music grew uh, and, the, and the noise from the uh, events grew. We then started for festivals, uh, big festivals. At one point, we've had like a, a 10,000 cap festival. This year, we're going to do a 20,000 cap on a football stadium. Um, we, uh, we had uh, MKEZ playing for us. We've had a lot of people from Hot Nature. We've had some massive acts. We've had Faithless. Um, a lot of big acts play for all those events. Uh, I've had residencies at Sankey's in Ibiza. I've played at Ushuaia Ibiza. played Dubai, Mozambique. I've played all over the world, and I'm really grateful and blessed that it's come so naturally and organi organically uh, yep. I'm trying to be as quick as I, I'm trying to be as quick as I can to tell you everything from about goes. I'm not trying to like gloat or 
I was trying to quickly fill you in. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to get, trying to get all the important. Just trying to get you, just trying to get you in and give you a gist of what kind of happened uh, on the music side of things. And um, no, yeah, uh, I, I made a track called Darling um, that got a lot, a lot of play uh, all over. The, it got a lot of noise. It made a lot of noise everywhere. And then um, it got a play by DJ Target on Radio One. Uh, he played it, and he texted me the next day, and he said, "Tom, that was the most." Uh, biggest response I've ever had from a song on the radio. We want to sign you. So the next day I had a meet with. Uh, next day called me. Then we organised a meet with Pitched Up, who were a company under the Sony Records. And they signed me three singles and an album deal. I, I released Darling, uh, that went gold. And released You Want Me, which went platinum, sold over a million records. And from there, it's just. Yeah, I've just been I've just been touring and touring for years. I take my son with me on tour majority of the time. Um, I, I, my son, I've got my son full time. Um, so yeah, it, it's just kind of went from bedroom MCing to doing what we're doing now, which I'm obviously very grateful for. I've worked very hard for it. Yeah, under a lot of different personal circumstances. I've had to, at one point I'd done 250 shows um, in like 18 months, different country nearly every night. Uh, we done sixteen night tour in Ireland, different city every night, and we just went straight out. So with all the touring, I stopped making music for a while, and I didn't have no time. So and I, I kind of didn't really, I kind of fell out of love with it, if you, if you like. But now I've been making a lot of music recently throughout lockdown. I've got a lot of music there that's starting, a lot of fire that's starting folders, and my computer and stuff. And I'm ready to just start putting music out again and trying to start basically enjoying it again. When when did when would you say that you kind of fell out of love with it? At what point was that? Um, to be honest, I was putting music out and um, I was having a lot of. I, I put a few songs out that did really well, and then after that, I um, I struggled to communicate with certain people and um, certain areas, and it stopped me from being able to put music out. And I had a lot of music sat there for a long time, and at the same time as touring and a lot of. Um, like kind of life-changing personal experience in the background that I had to deal with um, grief and other m mad things that happened uh, as well as touring every single night and try missing my family and you know trying to just keep sane if you like I mean touring it sounds amazing doing a beef for one night Greece the next night Dubai blah 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 it sounds amazing but when you're flying constantly uh, or on the road constantly eating out of services when you're on the road you fly you land you go to the hotel you get changed you go to the club you do the set, you go back to the airport, you go to the next place, you blah, blah, blah. It's just constant. And um, I was just throwing out bits and bits of music that I didn't even really like myself. And um, it just became difficult. And I, it was just more about, I, I was just tired of it. So, like, after a lot of time off, a lot of time not doing any, any shows, I mean, I, I released a tour, a, a, an O2 tour. We did um, a UK O2 tour that sold out in, like, 24 hours. Oh, in two hours, actually, I think it was. Right. I've done so much, and don't get me wrong, I sound like a morning, but I really, really enjoyed every minute of it, and I'd met some amazing people, had some amazing experiences. But I just kind of got, I missed my family, and, and I missed um, being able to be creative myself without rushing and making shit songs and blah, blah, blah. So now I've had time off, and um, with lockdown, I spent a lot of time with my son, which I always have anyway, but I've spent complete, I spent 14 weeks with my son at home, and I've just been writing music, making music, and just trying to get back into it now I, I want to make music that I enjoy I, so at one point because I got signed to a label I tried to make music that I, I wanted to put on radio and going yeah. a bit commercial and, and doing things that I wouldn't have really when I first got signed I made music that I liked 
Um, and, and if it went somewhere, it went somewhere. I didn't really care. It was just something I enjoyed doing. And then it became something like a, it became like a chore. So now I'm kind of enjoying it again, and I'm getting. I've got a lot of creative ideas and a lot of stuff coming. So sorry if I'm looking out of one eye as well. The sun's like. Oh, no, I know. I can tell it's the sun. So so in in that sense, like lockdown was actually quite quite a good thing for you in in the sense that it made you made you it love. Was, yeah, I mean, like thank God everyone was safe. Obviously. A lot of stuff's gone wrong, you know, with regards to businesses. I opened a new nightclub last year. We had to shut that down. All the events that I had this year, I had six festivals of my own that I run, which um, we put a lot of money into and we lost a lot of money. And we had big DJs, like I said, MK, Hannah Wants, EZ, 20,000 tickets sold at football stadium. All this stuff had to go. I had 100 flights booked before lockdown uh, for all these new residences. But on the other hand, all that went tits up. But I, I got to spend a lot of time at home and had a, an, a British summer. I got to bike ride with my son. We, were, we had a routine. We were training together. We were exploring. Um, and just really, I, I just really enjoyed lockdown. I mean, a lot of people saying, oh, I can't wait to get out and blah, blah, blah. And I think we should do it once a year, once a month, every year, lockdown. It made the world a greener place. The, the water was clearer. Everyone, but then again, at the same time, you know, a lot of people really struggled with it. And, you know, I do... I, I do you know, I do, um, empathise with them people definitely I mean I was, I was going to see my granddad every day my granddad was in a little um, apartment by himself and I would sit at the end of the garden to see him I lost family members um, in Ireland and it was an hard time but at the same time I, you know I always tried to keep positive and I had me and my son and we got to spend a lot of quality time I got to get creative and kind of yeah get back into um, reality a bit so I think that, that's what was a positive to come out of it to come out of it yeah, I think a lot of people will be very inspired by the way that you're looking at it, particularly as you had some like business stuff that was affected by it, the festival not going ahead. Um, but saying that it made you fall in love with music again, um, yeah, I'm kind of interested. Like, what what were the bands and acts and artists that made you want to make music in the first place? What what was the type of stuff that you listened to before making that original? So I used to love. Um, there was a nightclub in Leeds called Castle Loco, and there was a nightclub in Sheffield called Niche. And both these clubs were underground clubs that played bassline music and speed garage and house music. But they were really like, um, what's the word? I'm looking at? I can't think straight. Um, there's a song playing in the background. It keeps <laughs> messing my head. Um, they were really kind of, yeah, kind of niche underground cool clubs. And the music that used to come out of them, I used to get cassette tapes from DJs. They used to pass them around friends. That kind of music really got me into that kind of sound. And then the rap inside, I used to love Eminem growing up. I used to love, um, Heartless Crew and So Solid Crew and all the MCs and Dizzy Rascal and I, I just really love house music and MCing and combined but I'm a massive lover of I, I grew up with an Italian granddad who I, I love like all, all Frank Sinatra Dean Martin and all the other like classic stuff I just I just love all music and uh, but the idols that kind of got me into that kind of sound was um, I'd say like Eminem Heartless Crew and so solid and all of them kind of um, sidewinder and all them kind of old school MCs. Oh, cool. So and and so, you've been making music during lockdown. Do you have plans to release like a full record, a full album, or are you gonna gonna release singles and EPs? So I put a tune out. I put a song out two, uh, two months ago with Dappy and a really good, uh, who's an amazing talent. Oh, and nice. an undiscovered yeah. artist called Hayes the Martian from Bradford, and he absolutely makes the song. He's brilliant. I put a song out with them too, um, and that's yeah. done really well One so night. far. One night, yeah, that's doing really well. Uh, a month later, I put out a song with a friend of mine called Silky, who's absolutely blowing up. 
right now. He's such a cool guy, really good MC rapper. He's, um, you know, he's very um, fucking versatile, and uh, and that's doing really well. So we've put a few t- two tunes out, and I'm just gonna keep banging music out like once a month, once every six weeks. I've got a lot of um, tracks with my vocals on them. I've got a lot of songs with songwriters who I've written songs for. The next song, I think, is huge. Um, with a singer on it who's absolutely amazing I'm really honoured to work with um, she's had a massive hit before and um, I'm going to put that out next and uh, in the meantime I've got so much music on the hard drive that's my kind of sound my house music minimal techno um, underground really cool kind of uh, industrial tech and I've got a lot of music I'm going to put out as DJ wise and a lot of music I'm going to put out as Tom Zanetti and I've just got loads I just want to keep pumping out and if it goes well, it goes well. If it doesn't, it's something I want to enjoy. So, yeah, that sounds going to keep banging music out. That, that does sound like the right way of uh, looking at it. And right now, obviously, is a, a difficult time for people in the music industry in general, uh, particularly you know, for like younger artists out there like who are listening to your stuff and might consider you to be like an idol. What advice would you have for them right now? Um, like I said, it's a very difficult industry to break into you can be the most quality artist well I've just stood up I've got a head rush I've stood up too fast um, all I can say is just be yourself like if you start trying to be someone else I mean obviously everyone gets influenced I got influence from a lot of MCs a lot of DJs and producers I was looking for a charger now sorry so that was outside other nightclubs giving CDs out going to smoking areas giving CDs out and everybody leads and surrounding areas kind of knows me for that I used to be 17, 18, just stood giving my CDs out, my flyers, exit flyer with people as are coming out at six o'clock in the morning. I used to sit and inbox every DJ, every, um, excuse me a second, inbox every DJ, every producer, just to listen to my music. And I used to sit and do it, and I used to get a million no's, get a million ignores. And um, if the music's, you know, if it's if it's good, it'll speak for itself, and someone will hear it. And yeah, just work hard, be yourself, and try not to get mixed up in any negative bad feedback like I've been through cases where I've had really bad trolls I mean say the worst things some supporting and repeat like saying stuff about my son about my missus who passed away saying just disgusting stuff that and it can really get into, into your head and at one point that kind of um, stopped me from wanting to make music or coming if you like the public eye or doing shows and stuff like that because I just felt like there were just some nasty people up behind me on the computer. Um, so just try and ignore shit and just be you and just keep pushing and just, yeah, just have a good heart, clean heart and just, just do what you're doing and you'll get there. Yeah, I mean, that's good advice. And like, in terms of, in terms of like trolls and social media, because obviously that can be very difficult when you've got a public profile like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen recently the, the thing that came out called The Social Dilemma on Netflix or heard about it? I, I've actually not seen it. My um, my business partner Kane, who I own uh, the Dollhouse Club with, is over in Turkey with me and my son now. And um, he mentioned it last night, funnily enough. And he said we've got to watch it. It's really interesting. So that is something that's on the cards. Yeah, because I mean that kind of extols the virtues of taking a break from social media occasionally, and and yeah. and, and, and how they're trying to get. <laughs> kind of addicted to it. Do you ever take time off from social media or is it so important to what you do? Well, I, the thing about me, like, every, again, like, a lot of people know me for just kind of taking the piss on social media. Like, I've always just, I've always just had fun with it. I always, 
put silly stuff up and I have a laugh with it. I've never been disrespectful towards anyone. If I ever, the thing is like, trolls, like, if there's anything I don't, if, 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 I, if, there's, if there's anything I dislike that I see on my feed or whatever, like, unless it was some, something bad, I would never go out of my way to comment on it and negative point. If there's a song that someone's made and I don't like it, I just won't, I just go past it. I won't, I won't write anything on it to make people know that I don't like it. Some people go on there to write something bad or even worse to um, discredit someone or make someone feel shit. And it's like, I don't get it. I don't know why you'd waste that. Obviously, it's because they want attention. They want either a reaction, they want attention, they think it's funny. But, you know, it's not, it's not funny. And like, I'd never do that. And what was your question again? Do you ever take time Sorry. off it? You know, do you, do you ever... Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I think I need to. Yeah, I do have time off. I, um, I uh, just put my phone down, and uh, when I'm on holidays, usually I have time off. And with my son now, um, but at the same time, I enjoy it. I enjoy posting with my son. I enjoy posting funny stuff and having a laugh. But yeah, I do have. I try not to get sucked into it and let it take over my life because at the end of the day, it's not. It's not real. Like you could see, people compare their life, and it's so sad. There's a l- kids and millions of people and. Who, who compare their life to social media now. You could see a picture of a couple who look like the best couple in the world, absolute dream couple, but behind closed doors, they could be ripping each other's throats out, they could be arguing, it could be awful. Next minute they'll get the finish. You could see a picture of someone who's got a Lamborghini and loads of money, but it's not theirs, it's someone else's. It's just a picture, it's not It's not real. So, I mean, like, being inspired by it's good, but getting your, comparing your life to it, it can be difficult, especially for young kids who look at people who've had, you know, certain things done. And I don't, I just think it, should, it can be, it can be really inspiring. It can, it can be really, um, it can have a, a negative um, effect as well. I think it's, it's quite, it's kind of catch twenty two. It's a good thing. It's a good platform, but I do have time off it because I do realise it's not real. And um, I grew up in a time where there wasn't any social media, so I still remember going out making dens, having little scraps with people and as with my friends and just play fighting and pissing around and exploring when I was a kid. Whereas kids these days are just glued to the phone. So my son, he, he, he has a time, a cut-off time, he won't be allowed on his phone. He can't have his phone while we're eating food. He can't have, he can't have his phone after a certain time. And yeah. yeah, I do have time off it, long story short. <laughs> Yeah, that that's the type of thing that they talk about in the in in that in that social di- dilemma thing, and those type of things seem like really really important. Like if, if you've got a, a son or daughter, so uh, but obviously you know you've got got quite a good outlook on that, and and it's definitely clear that you've got a good sense of humour and a good like sense of fun. Um, like, so and and that kind of sometimes translates to your to your music, like. How how do you come up with kind of ideas like like witty ideas like Rod Stewart for example? I enjoyed that. <laughs> you like that Rod Stewart? Yeah. And, I'm glad you know. I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah, I, 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 that was that was actually when I when I first became became familiar with your stuff. Like I know that there was some stuff before that was a, that was like a lot bigger, and that got me into it. But like I, I love I love that type of stuff and 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 that kind of. Well, you see of, that there, the Rod Stewart stuff is just like a few songs that I I I, I had. I've got a backlog of so much house music that I've made. I wanted to start releasing them, and I thought I'd put the shit ones out first. And I put three songs out. And the, the, the Rod Stewart and stuff are like nowhere near what the stuff that I've got. And I thought I'd put them out and just feed them out, feed them out, and they start coming with the big ones just to like kind of get back into the flow of releasing music. 
And um, Rod Stewart is just like, it's going to sound a bit explicit, but like obviously a rod is like, uh, you know, a man's uh, penis. No. And if you get a, if you have a chew, it's a woman uh, giving uh, someone a, a, you know, a, a, a blowjee. Anyway, and Rod Stewart is an icon, so it's not all Rod Stewart. It just sounds funny. Like, yeah, that, if I, I didn't, I didn't realize that's the expression, but I didn't, you know, I, I'm, I'm not very au fait. It's with, like, a, it's like, it's not really an like expression, just something I kind of made up, but it's like leads. I like it though. It's very good. So, like, I say stuff like, I always just like, I've got like mad, like, um, I just say like mad banner, like, so if you're going for like a scran, you know what a scran is, like food. Yeah. So, I need you call food a scran. So, we say something like, I don't know, I'm going for. Uh, Nelson Scrandella, or I'm going for Scranet Jackson. <laughs> I'm going for a Scranny Pacquiao. You know, it's just like it's just play on words. So it's just it's just silly, harmless fun, really. It's good. Well, if we get Rob Stewart on the podcast, which hopefully will be happening, then I'm going to be asking him about whether he knows what a Rod Stewart means. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. If you do, definitely link me. In. I, I, I will do. I will do. I'll, in fact, I'll be. <laughs> I'll play the clip of you explaining what it is. <laughs> Rod, Rod Stewart is a legend. <laughs>